You're listening to the God Stories Radio podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com Hi there. We here at God Stories Radio are reaching out to you and your business to sponsor us for as little as $10 a month. We need you so that we can continue bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement through the power of the Christian testimony. By your business blessing us monthly, we are able to bless others weekly. To sponsor us, email GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And you don't have to be a business to be a blessing. Visit GodStoriesRadio.com to donate securely through PayPal. Just press the button. You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast with Mike, Fritz, Trish, and Tina. Listen to us live on the Mixler app. Also, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio and you will never miss an episode. God Stories Radio. This is session 141. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. What's going on, guys? Another Thursday, we are here. Yes, we are. Man. I love it. I love it, too. We've got a an exciting show, a good guest. We have a returning guest that's kind of a supporting cast tonight. And uh, going to do the intro. Good to have uh, Gary, Mr. Unpredictable, <laughs> the Rev, <laughs> a.k.a. the Rev, yeah. and uh, in the studio tonight. So, uh, what's new and exciting over there besides your iPad Pro? Nothing. Nothing uh, new. Come on. Just uh, you said trying you to were take it quit day by day. The wave. I'm, what does that I'm, mean? I jumped off the wave, and I'm going to take it day by day. Well, what does that mean? Day by day. Day oh, okay. by day. All right. Well, day guess, by day. I guess that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing over there, babe? Just just in from work. Yes, just in from work, just trying to decompress. I've got a headache from You have no time somewhere. to decompress. You have a show to do. I know. I know. <laughs> I jump from one thing to the next. You betcha. Yeah. Got some shout-outs over there? Life in the fast lane. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I sure do. I have some Facebook likes. So we want to say thank you to Janet Perez Eccles. Oh, Janet. Yay. Love that gal. Yeah, and also Faisal Kershid. Faisal, thank you very much. Thank you for liking us. Thank you, Absolutely. And then Kathleen Tyree. Kathleen, thank you. Thank Thank you you. for liking us on Facebook. We really appreciate that. Yeah, it's awesome. We really, really do. Any other listeners out there that have not liked us on Facebook, please do. And then um, we have some new regions listening. Oh, um, yeah? I love right. the way Mike wrote this because I'm going to have really a, a good time trying to say this. <laughs> I wrote it the way I, I, it's spelled. <laughs> Districto Nacional Dominican Republic. Hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> it sounded elegant anyway. Yes, I it tried. did. I did my best. I hope I represented uh, well for the uh, folks in the Dominican Republic. And then we have uh, Quebec, Canada. Quebec. 
Love our Canadian yes. brothers and yes, sisters. Yes, we do. And then uh, we have Nord Holland, the Netherlands. Thank you, Nord. Nord yes. from the Netherlands. Netherlands. I love that. Yes. Holland. It rolls off your tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm wondering if Nord just stands for North, North Holland. It could be. Yeah. Okay. Could be. Well, thanks, yeah. guys, for tuning yes, in. Yes, thanks for tuning in out there in those countries. Amen. Uh, welcome, everybody, on Mixer tonight. I I see uh, Andrea on there, uh, and uh, she's new. Uh, welcome. Welcome hey, to Andrea. the show. Yes, welcome. And uh, thanks for tuning in. You tuned into a good one. And I'd like to welcome everybody on YouTube. Hopefully you can hear everything loud and clear now. I'm pretty sure you can. <laughs> so, uh, hey, well, uh, got any other business? Um, oh, uh, not to, to bring this, this show to, down to a roar, but um, AJ passed oh, yeah. away. Yeah. And uh, those of you that were uh, praying for him, and uh, we just uh, appreciate it so mm-hmm. very much um all the prayers and continue to pray for, for his family, family and yes. his wife they, i mean it wasn't that long ago that he was sitting right next to me in the studio no it wasn't it was it was just that quick you know and he he did a lot of good things for us too you know mm-hmm. he gave me a lot of the lumber that started this project he right. brought it over and gave me some of the lights that are in, in here, here and yeah. um he was just um you know i just uh, have to believe that god allowed me to get close to him you know so that i could maybe be some a light a light some encouragement you know, well, you know what's really it, you nice know? is that he's always going to be a part of this studio and a part of god stories radio you know for That's his contribution true. to yeah. it which is a nice thought you know i do i like that yeah he he'll always be a piece of him in here that's yeah. for sure yeah so i never really thought of that but that's true he'll be with us every show Amen to that. So, uh, but uh, thank you everyone for praying for AJ, and we just appreciate you so very much for doing that. And uh, all right, well, I'm going to turn it over to our good buddy, the Rev. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to introduce our guest on the phone, Tracy McElroy. Is it McElroy or McElroy? McElroy. Okay, got it. All right. What do you got to say about her? Anything, you got to say something about her. How'd yeah. you meet her? Uh, How do you a, know her? I met her when she was doing time at Lowell's. Uh, it was either Lowell's Women's Prison or the uh, reception center in Florida. That's how I met her. Okay. Well, I do remember that uh, probably not even two months ago, that she wrote in and said that she absolutely loves hearing the testimonies and everything else, and maybe someday that she would give hers. And here it is, I would say, two months later, and she is on the phone. Yeah, that's awesome. That she is. Yeah, because I told her, I said, you need to do it. Uh, <laughs> nobody argues with unpredictable. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show, Tracy. Yes, Tracy's Tracy. on the line. Thank you. How are you? Welcome, Tracy. Okay, uh, I just want to thank Gary for being there. It really means a lot to me. And uh, so I was born May 3rd of 84 in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, both my parents are military. And we lived there for about two years before we moved to Pensacola. 
and Pensacola was probably not the best place to live. Uh, childhood was pretty rough after my dad retired from the military. He just lost all will to live, and he became abusive. I wasn't very well at math growing up, and he was trying to help me one night do my math homework, and I just wasn't getting it. And I remember he slammed his hand down on the table and just looked at me, and I could just see the anger and disappointment in his eyes. And he had said that, you know, that I, I was just stupid, that I wouldn't amount to anything, that I wasn't his kid. And I was maybe six, seven years old. And uh, it just broke me. It, it really broke me. And I just started to kind of turn inward. I didn't really socialize a lot. And my mom was having a neighbor babysit me and my sister after she came along when I was about six years old. And her son used to own a strip club in town. And he was a perverted old man. And it was during that time that he was molesting me. And when his friends would come over, he would call me into his room away from his mom. And I remember him lifting up my shirt and telling the guys how good I was. He really made me feel really down and low. And one night he tried to bring my sister into it. And I stepped in, put myself in that position again to protect her. And that was just something that was just really, really hard to deal with. I couldn't tell my mom because I knew my mom would end up in prison. I knew she'd kill him. I just knew it. And it was something that just I really carried with me. And about a year down the road, a neighbor had made accusations about her grandfather. And my mom took me to a counselor to, you know, see if I had been molested. And the counselor couldn't see any reason why I was molested. You know, they, they just didn't see it. Of course, it wasn't by him. But I was molested at one point in my life, and I was just like, wow, you know, I can fool the professionals is what I'm sitting there thinking as a kid. And so I just kind of stayed to myself growing up. I was uh, probably about 15, 16 years old. I'd lost my best friend in, in school. He had actually died of uh, seizures, had a seizure in his sleep, and She's got wrapped around his neck, and I remember having a having a dream, seeing him wrapped up in a sheet. I, I never understood what it meant. Got up the next day to go to school like usual, and he stayed a couple of blocks down from us. And I remember seeing all the cop cars and ambulances, and we just had another seizure to be back in school. The last period of the day, found out that he had passed away. And me and him actually shared the same birthday, same year, and we lived like three blocks apart. So it, we just had that really close connection. And uh, I started dating this guy when I was in my late teens. I ended up marrying him, but uh, he used to ride with a one-percenter one club and got into that world. And I was I had a pretty sheltered life going into this world didn't know nothing about it, totally different world than what I was seeing. And uh, 
so that was a big culture shock. I got heavily into drugs, and the physical abuse started with him as well. He later became a husband. And I ended up, through this time, I ended up having five kids. They weren't all his. Um, You know, he was, he would shoot me up with coke, and uh, I would end up paying off his drug debts the way, the only way that I knew how. He would want me to sleep with his brothers to, you know, just be, I guess, the biker old lady, you know, the way their world was. And I wasn't a total saint. I did my own wrong, too, you know. But it was him that brought me into that type of lifestyle, and it was just so hard to get out. And I remember one night we had both uh, just got done shooting up. We are sitting on the couch, and we just felt so sick. We couldn't move. And I remember looking over at him and just, like, this is it. You know, we're dying. You know, and the only person that was there with us left. Just left us sitting there on the couch. We couldn't even lift up our arms just to be able to hold each other's hands. Because we thought, you know, this was it. Somehow we woke up the next morning. The only thing I can think of is God. And it wasn't long after that that I first made my first attempt into going to church. And... It was actually at the church I'm currently going to now, my father's vineyard. And, uh, it, you know, it didn't last long. The drugs called me back in to that lifestyle. And I was just so afraid to leave this guy. You know, he was physically abusive. You know, he raped me one night because I didn't want to do what he wanted me to do. And that was, that's something I still deal with. And it's really hard for me to... Trust me, especially. And um, it was just really, really hard. And he ended up going to prison, which was my way of getting away. And I went out of that relationship into a relationship with another guy, which wasn't much better. The only thing he didn't do was hit me. And uh, that... You know, that was pretty hard, you know. At first, I thought he was my saving angel, I guess you can say, because at first he was trying to help me get off drugs. But then he started selling the exact same kind of drug that I was using. And I'm like, this isn't working. So I tried going back to church again. found myself back at my father's vineyard. And I was actually at the service where they were moving into the new building that they're actually in now, which is right across the street. And it's always been something about that church that always drew me back. I never understood why, but I always found myself back there. But I was never there for a great length of time. You know, my head, I might just pop in one day and be gone the next. And uh, eventually I ended up getting away from this guy because he ended up going to jail for some charges and had the cops kicking our door. And I had my son in my hand. I was walking out of the bedroom into the kitchen to have a nine millimeter at my head by a cop. That was the scariest moment of my life. And uh, I actually didn't end up getting any charges. Um, I was pregnant with my daughter. And uh, 
he ended up taking all the charges. I didn't realize that he was stealing trailers and altering VIN numbers, and he ended up going to prison over this. And it's just been really, really hard. Just trying to start over. And it was during this time I started getting back on drugs real bad. It was in 2009. I ended up back in the county jail, and they sentenced me to rehab. It was a six-month program. I ended up doing nine months because I was sent home on medical leave. I had ruptured my Achilles tendon. And uh, still didn't find a job, so it violated my probation. They reinstated my probation. A couple of months later, I violated. Ended up going to prison for the first time. And uh, that's when I first met Gary. And I, I remember seeing him. I remember talking with him. But we never had, like, a great big conversation. And my time went on. I got out next year in 2012 and started going back into that old lifestyle, using drugs and just partying hard and just couldn't get it right. I always found myself back with the same old men that just did the same old thing. You know, they were only after one thing, and that was, you know, just getting their pleasure. And I had contemplated suicide many times in my life, many, many times, and I've always been a cutter, so that was hard. And, uh, The drugs really took a grip on me, and I was stealing again from anybody and everybody that I could. Didn't matter who it was. And then I found myself back at the same house where the guy had been molesting me as a kid partying. He was still alive, still there. His house turned into a big old broke house. His mom had since passed, and my parents went out of town. And I remember they had money in this cabinet in their house, and it was locked. And I remember I was battling with myself on breaking into that cabinet. I walked to that cabinet, walked away from that cabinet, I don't know how many times. Walked around the yard talking to myself like I was crazy. Like, I just didn't know what was going on in my head. But I felt the war, like, raging inside of me like I was being ripped apart and uh, I ended up breaking into the cabinet and stole a bunch of quarters which I just thought they were quarters but they were silver quarters and I just cashed them in wherever I could and then went over to the house and got more dope they came back into town and sure enough I found myself back in the county jail Back on probation, couldn't stay clean. They let me run on that rope as long as they would let me go until I hung myself, basically. And I was looking at going back to prison. It was not something that I was looking forward to doing. But I, I knew that was the only other option or I'd end up dead. And so they sent me back to prison. That prison trip really changed my life. 
I mean, God really opened up my eyes as far as uh, all of his promises and love. I had actually started doing a study with the American Bible Academy. Uh, it was a six-series study, and it was very in-depth, in detail, and it's free to inmates. And uh, that just really got a hold of me. I started going into the chapel, and there was lots of good services in there. But it's just so hard for the volunteers to be able to bring stuff in to be able to help us to be able to give us something to be able to take back to our dorms to read up and study on. It's very hard for them to come in. And then I remember there was a flyer that came out on the board about Luke coming in. And I was telling them, man, y'all got to be out on that yard. Y'all don't know what y'all going to be missing. Because I remember them from the first time that I was in prison. And I remember I got up early that morning and I was standing up on my bunk, looking out the window, waiting for them to come right inside. Oh, man, I was so hyped up. And then I heard the engines coming, and I was like, yes, they're here, they're here. And, boy, I ran to the door just waiting for them to open it so I could get out on that yard. It's definitely something that I think every person should get to experience, but not behind the wire. <laughs> You know, it could be so much more than just going behind the wire. And it's so much more than the bike. When they finally let us out on that yard, just being able to fellowship with just ordinary people. I never had any visitors. I didn't have one person come and see me. So they were my visitors. And just hearing their stories and hearing them talk and... Uh, that day, Gary was not in my yard. He was in a different yard. But uh, there's just a lot of good volunteers that just came out. They just really loved the Lord. And uh, they've just really touched my life. They really have. They've been a blessing. And then right before I got out, they came in again. And uh, that was pretty emotional. Just being able to see some of the same faces again before I left. I didn't think I would see these people again. Really didn't. Most of the volunteers, when they come in, you don't ever see or hear from them. And uh, I got out February 26th of this year. And it was a very, very hard, hard road for me. Uh, had many relapses. Um, my first residence that I stayed at, it didn't work out there because the guy didn't want me to attend church. Like, well, this ain't going to work because I need God. I ended up moving in with a friend, and uh, he had a camper that I was staying out of. But behind me, there was a guy that was a, he did a lot of drugs, and another guy on the property that did drugs. And I was back in the same old hood where I knew everything was. And I just kept slipping and slipping and slipping. And I had a uh, accountability partner, which was actually one of the volunteers in prison that uh, I was talking to. And 
we would talk every day, me and her. And after about four or five relapses, I remember her telling me on the phone that there was nothing more she could do with me. And that left me feeling very broken, very hurt. And this was after I went down to see her and she actually baptized me. So it really gained, it really hurt a lot. Because I put a lot of trust in this person. And I really looked up to her and just for her to give up on me like that just hurt. I was so used to people just walking away and giving up on me. And uh, it, I, I just started reaching out to anybody and everybody because I was getting to my breaking point. And for some reason, I went on the Facebook group page on there and was looking at the pictures and seeing people that I remembered. And I messaged several of them. <laughs> and I remember it was Gary and Debbie who got back with me. And uh, I was going through a real dark night one night. And I just, I had enough of everything. And I took a handful of pills, had every intention of just not being here today. Just wanted to end it all. I was just tired of everything, tired of relapsing. Didn't feel like there was no hope. And my phone rang. It was Gary. I don't know why I answered that phone. Because I knew if I answered that phone, something was going to happen. And I didn't want it to happen. But I did. And uh, it told me that if I threw up, I would feel better. I, I didn't know really what he was talking about. Trying to act like I didn't know what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. But I threw up. And uh, he just... He's been there for me ever since. You know, um, anytime I need to talk to him, he's there. And he had been talking to me for probably a better part of a month about coming down and speaking at their root afterglow party. And, you know, I don't do well, you know, speaking. I just, it's not me. It's like, what do you think about it? Well, then you get Debbie involved in it. And I didn't have much of a choice there. <laughs> um, but I, I really looked up to Debbie and really admired her a lot. And uh, I ended up going down and speaking at the root party. And I was probably more nervous there than what I am on the phone. <laughs> but um, it was just very, very powerful to be able to see these people outside of the wire and knowing, you know, whatever, what they brought into that wire, exactly who they are, you know, that is just who they are. And there, there was no faking there. You know, there's just people that love the Lord that ride motorcycles. And, uh, you know, I really look up to Tom, which was Debbie's husband. We had actually lost Debbie. Um, but I actually did to see her before she passed. And I remember she held my hand and I gave her a hug and she told me, just keep your head up and keep focusing on the next right thing and you'll be okay. 
and that's actually gotten me through some of the hardest days. And, uh, you know, there were days that I really thought that I was going to slip and those words were coming to my head. And, uh, me and Debbie, I mean, me and Gary talked about Debbie Austin, you know, those words that she said and how much they meant to me and how much that ministry means to me, you know, it really opened up a door to save my life because that was just been a revolving door just like anybody else coming in and out of them walls. There's not many people that get out of that. Mm-hmm. Once you get in that system, you're pretty much stuck. Because you go back to the same old life they were always going to. And all of them fell into that trap. Tracy, can I ask, how old are you? And, uh, pardon? I said, can I ask, how old are you? I'm 33. Okay. And how, and, uh, how old are your children now? Um, my oldest is 12, my baby boy, he's 10, my daughter is 9, and then I've got a 7-year-old and one that's, uh, fixing to be 4. Okay. So, um, I don't know who all their daddies are because of the lifestyle that I lived. Um, it was just, it was a very hard lifestyle. And uh, back in just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I guess, I had a relapse. And uh, Gary had actually sent me messages, and I didn't respond, and he immediately knew something was up. He knew what I was doing, and he just waited. So I called him, and sure enough, I called him, Mm -hmm. and I got a good thing talking to. Can I say something, though? I mean, it was just like talking to my dad on the phone. I mean, but only a very loving, kind dad. <laughs> I knew he cared. Tracy, can I say something? And, uh, yeah. That day you called me, and you told me that you were using. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that day? Yeah. Do you remember what I said to you that day? Well, there was the one about the $20 in my pocket, or that one just recently? That's the one I'm talking about. The one just recent? The $20 one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Be back and turn myself in so I can be back in prison by January 8th when you're at the reception center? Yep. Yeah. Because I told you, I said, either you're going to get busted, or you're going to go back to doing what you were doing, so why don't you just go to the police station and turn yourself in, be there, and we can come and visit you. Yeah, I didn't want that visit. I don't want that visit. You know, but, I mean, Gary just had a way of talking to people. You know, I, I've done pretty well as far as keeping people at arm's length. But with Gary, it was totally different. It was like, no walls there at all. Anytime I tried to, you know, not talk to him about something or pretend like I was okay, he knew better. And sometimes he would peel me like an onion. But I would eventually end up talking about it. But with him, it was just a comfortability. It was like I already knew him in a sense. 
you know, and I, there was an, a level of trust that I can't even begin to explain from the get-go with Gary. It was just so different. And I couldn't ask for a better friend, a better brother. You know, in a lot of ways, he's like a dad to me. And he's just really been a big part of my life. But some of the best advice he ever gave me was after this last relapse. And uh, he uh, told me I need to call up my brother and my sister to stay out here in Lockley. And I was like, no, I don't want to make that phone call. He goes, you need to make that phone call or I will. And I was like, all right, fine. So I called them and told them what was going on. And they were right in the middle of a job. But they said as soon as they got done, they would come and see me. And originally, this was only supposed to be a two or three staycation. Well, I'm living out here now. And it's been the best move I've ever made. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know really nobody, you know, and it's, it's really great, you know, just to be able to have that focus on God and to get away from everything out there in life. Uh, I still get to go to the same church. They go to church with me. They go to Bible study with me at the living room on Wednesday nights and Saturday nights. I mean, it's just a really close family. And uh, I know I couldn't have done this without them, without Gary, you know, and talking with Chris, big guy, our messenger, and talking with Tom and, you know, many other people have worked. You know, they've all just kept in touch. And that's really what has helped me the most instead of just being just another inmate that people come in and see or using being used as a poster child and trying to get someone's ministry started. I mean, it's, you know, I just, I learned a lot very quickly and knowing that, you know, not everyone in church has the best intentions. You know, sometimes it's, their own means that they're looking after instead of trying to help build the kingdom. But it was a tough lesson I had to learn. That I can't just open up to everybody. And, you know, it's, it's been a long road, you know, between the church at my father's vineyard and the living room and Gary and, I mean, all the people that have just been there have just really helped change my life. Yeah, and I just thank them all for it. Tracy, I'm sure you've heard over the these uh, past few years that you've been uh, trying to get through. Um, each time when you got let back out, or that the best thing to do is to change your uh, change your friends, change your situation, change your your. your you know, where you were living and just change everything and that would be the help and it, it just seems that that's where right people places and things yeah so you changed the friends you changed your your location and things are working right and i mean it's just been it it's been an amazing ride to tell you that because if you would have told me in prison that I would have been speaking at one of their events. I would have told them, y'all are crazy. You're plumb crazy. <laughs> that I would be speaking on a radio station. You're plumb crazy. 
you know, I just, I, I never saw myself ever doing anything like this. And what really kind of helped me kind of get out there a little bit was when I was making all these little pictures and videos for Gary, for uh, by the root stuff, he'd ask me, hey, can you do this? Not ah, sure, no problem. You know, I blend photos, like just the one that I blended for y'all. Um, and then doing the slideshows. I love doing slideshows. And uh, some of them are actually played at the root events. And so that just really made me feel pretty good. I meant to tell you, Tracy, so, that mean, picture that you sent us, um, the picture that you did was was really cool. I'm going to use it on yeah. some things. Cool, cool. Yeah, sorry about the mishap with my phone. I don't know what's going on with it. Sometimes it'll work and other times it won't. It's actually been pretty clean, so. so. Yeah, it has. Yeah. But, uh, hey, Tracy, right, we've Gary, had I just a... really want to thank you for being there. It means, means a lot. We've had uh, Andrea on with us, um, and she's been nonstop uh, messaging me, kind of like what you do. She's taken up, <laughs> taken up for you tonight. So, uh, but anyway, she's going to be a yes, guest. I love my sister. I love Andrea. <laughs> she's going to be a guest on the show, actually, on the twenty-first, and uh, Tina's booking that now and sending her a confirmation. Awesome. Cool. And she just wanted me to give you a shout out and and uh, let you know how proud she is of you. Well, I, I'm proud that she's getting on there, too. But uh, she's actually in Gainesville. She's one of my sisters, and uh, I love her dearly. You know, she's been going through some rough times, and, God, she's been carrying her foot. Uh, can I say something? When Root, when Root comes out to the prison yards and does their ministry, can you explain the situation, yeah. What the, uh, how it is in there when we're there? And after we leave? Yeah. Uh, for a lot of the newcomers that come in and they're really not sure what to think about it. Uh, all they see are a bunch of bikers and bikes in a yard. And they're playing gospel music. And in their minds, the two don't mix. Some of them are a little kind of standoffish. But uh, they play a lot of music. They'll get out there on the court and they'll dance with us. Uh Sometimes they have a wheelchair race for uh, some of the people that are handicapped in prison. And uh, so that's pretty cool. But just going around, talking with the people, sharing your story, and they actually take the time to listen. You know, you're not rushed like you are in chapel where you might have maybe five seconds to talk to somebody. But they take their time to listen and guide and just share the word and the fact that they actually eat the nasty food there they get a lot of respect that way um the food there's horrible and i'm sure gary can attest to that <laughs> he's told but, us uh, about that that's for sure he mm -hmm. said if you're willing to go in there and do it they do they have a lot of respect for you and they'll, they'll listen to you yeah and when they come in to it's like our world our home you know and they eat with us and just spend time with us and just they're no better than we are you know we just got caught up in the mix but after they leave for a few days sometimes a week it's so peaceful on the compound there's no drama no fights it's just very peaceful 
And that's probably one of the best things about it is the impact after they leave. And for people getting out of prison, they have bags for people getting out of prison with shampoos and soaps and vitals. I mean, just anything you can think of is in that bag, mostly hygiene stuff. What is the impact that we... So, I mean, maybe... What is the impact that we leave after we leave the prison yard that hope. day? We give us hope. A lot of hope. You know, knowing that there's people that actually care. You know, and there's members of work that write in and they call us ten pals go. And they continue to help to feed that hope and that love because a lot of us don't have that. You know, we don't, there's people in there that don't get letters. They can't call home. They don't have visitors. You know, their only visitor is if they go to chapel and get to see a different face. Or if we get a new guard on the compound. But they give us a lot of hope and a lot of love. And everyone's just like on a spiritual high when they leave. You know, everyone's fighting for a window just to be able to watch them leave. I mean, it's the craziest thing you've ever seen, but just really cool you know and um i remember when i was down there with gary he actually introduced me to uh some of the inmate encounter boys that was a crazy encounter i tell you that i remember i was sitting in the truck and gary jumped out to uh say hi to some of the people and i see this big tall guy looking and he comes running and jumps up in Gary's arms, wraps his legs around him. And Gary's jumping up and down, grabbing a hold to his butt. I'm like, what is this? This totally freaked me out. But he was actually one of the coldest brothers I ever met. Mm. And uh, yes, Gary, I was going to tell that story. <laughs> he's but, over uh, He's over here shaking his head, Tracy. I think. Uh-huh. We're gonna we're gonna have some coffee after the show and get the lowdown on that. That's for sure. <laughs> then opened up a can of worms there. Well, let me explain something to you. Oh, oh, he wants to explain something now. Here we go. Yeah. It's a guy out of Georgia. His name is John Lance. He's a prison minister. He's been doing it for a long time, and uh, we're just real, real good friends. And he don't get out of the mountains very often. Okay, so when he when he's out, he just don't know how to react. <laughs> so when I got out of the truck, he just ran <laughs> and jumped. So I grabbed him, and that's what it looked like. But she didn't finish yeah, the story on that, though. There was another guy from North Carolina who was trying to get past us. Well, we sandwiched him, and we hugged him and went around like a miracle round. <laughs> so who says that Christians can't have fun? Exactly. Clean fun. Hey, the Lord's got a sense of humor. I believe it. Absolutely. But you know, since she brought this up, John, Isaac, and me, we'll go to restaurants or go to gas stations, and we'll say, what city are we in? We'll say Tennessee. Oh, no, we got to be in Kentucky. We got a wedding to be at. It's the funniest thing to, to see that when you have growing guys who love the Lord and you can joke around like that. John and Isaac and Big Guy, when we're in the prison yards, it's like E.F. Hutton. <laughs> we, we speak, and a lot of the inmates will look at us, 
and they'll say, but you guys are Christians. You guys got tattoos or this, that, and the other, or you all did prison life. I never did no time, but close to it. But it's going in and giving them hope and encouragement and show them that there's something else out there better when they accept the Lord Jesus Christ. It's finding them a church to get into and what they need to do. Amen, brother. Amen. And, and Tracy, you were saying something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, the, just the ministry as a whole is just amazing. You know, whether, you know, they come in on the bikes or walking in, you know, the message is still there. It's still about spreading the gospel. You know, and not all these guys have bikes. You know, some of them are walking in. And they leave just a bigger impact, if not more, without a bike. And, uh, you know, and... You know, they're fun to look at and everything. But when it comes down to it, you know, just sharing that word of hope and that encouragement to people that don't have any. I mean, we're talked down to a lot in there. And inmates and convicts are just the light words they use. Those are the nice ones. You know, they call us sideways, you know. I mean, just some really bad names. I'm not going to say them on the air, but uh, they really talk down to us. And uh, so it's just nice to have people coming in and bringing that word of encouragement and that hope and that love. And I'd say probably the biggest impact that I, I had was when I was with Gary. And we went out to eat, and I was eating the table with people that were like celebrities, you know, but they were regular people. Kenny Munns, uh, Jack Murphy was another one, Mark the Surf. Mm hmm. And just being able to interact with these people is just, it's not something that anyone can say they do. And knowing that they come in to give us hope, you know, um, I have met uh, Christy Ogerton Johnson, you know, through her coming into the prison. And Teresa Kemp is another one with uh, Broken Chains. And uh, I mean, it's just, really really amazing how these people come in and just give us hope and you know without it we just be a revolving door you know get out go right back in get out go right back in until we're dead well you know you're also a you know, big so impact too because the girl that you were locked up with uh christina christina you said mm -hmm. that she didn't have nobody to uh, to see her or visit her or talk to her. So yeah. you sent her my information. She wrote me, and now we're pen pals. And, right. you know, you're also an impact on people's lives also out of the prison. As much as you're an impact in prison because... Mm -hmm. You know the insights, and you know the people who need the letters and the cards and, and things like that. But also, right. now you got the love of Jesus Christ, that you're, you're spreading the gospel, but also you didn't tell them about you doing the outreach community, being a part of the outreach of where you used to be, right. where you used to be, but now you go in and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God made us all disciples. Mm -hmm. 
And I was going to say earlier that, uh, like I told the uh, gentleman that's going to be a future guest on the show, um, God built that your story for you, in you, to be able to spread it and bring, like Gary was saying, the love of Jesus Christ and, and his his encouragement and hope that uh, you keep on saying. You're somebody's Gary. <laughs> Here you go. But like everybody says, I'm unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. But Tracy can tell you when I'm out in that prison yard, she can probably explain it better than I can. I don't know what I do, but she does. Can you give us some insight of that? Yeah, I can give I can give some insight on that. Uh, it happens a lot on the phone. Uh, it's the best way I can probably describe it. He'll call me up and say, "What's going on with you?" He got nothing. He goes, "Yeah, there's something going on with you. I can hear it in your voice." And then he'll tell me, "Quit shaking your head." I mean, he just knows every little thing I'm doing, and it aggravates me to no end. Mm. As y'all know, when I'm blushing, he can just read people very, very well. And he's able to get down and be able to relate to people so well. He's able to reach people that most people can't. I've had people in my life, in and out of my life, try to give me the gospel. And it was like just beating your head up against the brick wall. It wasn't getting nowhere. And But it was something about that, you know, when Luke came in and having that little brief interaction with Gary, and then later on, running in the route two more times in my prison career. You know, I don't like calling it clear, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was, it just has a way of just really touching people. Uh, there was a story that I remember Gary had told me. He was somewhere doing a revival, and they had been working on this young man for a while, trying to just get through to him and he just wasn't getting nowhere and Gary sat down beside him and the guy looked at him and next thing you know the guy's telling Gary his whole life story I mean Gary just has something about him I can't even totally pinpoint it but it's just a comfortability that you just feel very comfortable just from the get go and he's just very real about it but he's not overpowering with it you know he's very soft-spoken very loving when he tells you what he needs to tell you but he just has the love of god out you know he has a light that i haven't seen in nobody else <laughs> just amazing he's an amazing man the story that uh father has uh, built in you though there's going to be people out there that nobody else can reach but you mm-hmm. yeah. right. and what you're really seeing in Gary is really the Lord shining through him it's not even him you know it's just what the Lord does you're really seeing the qualities of the Lord through him and other people are going to see yeah, that I mean, through Gary's you He's got the love of God. He's the vessel. He's the vessel. And patience. Oh, my God, does he have patience? He's all right. Why don't you get to know him? (laughs) He has a lot of patience. 
I'm sure that every day he wants to take a whole bottle of ibuprofen dealing with me, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, Tracy. What a story. That was a great story, absolutely. And remember, this is someone been, out uh, there. Been amazing. Someone's out there hurt needed to hear that tonight. You ain't lying. Wow. Session 141. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, welcome everybody on Mixler. Uh, I see Mr. Craig on there. Hey, Craig. Craig. How are you, buddy? How's things? Uh, send us an update. We've been praying for you. We think about you often. And, uh, you know, let us know how you're doing, buddy. We appreciate it. Craig's Carpet Service. Craig's in uh, Washington. Washington. Yeah. Arlington, Washington. Arlington. That's right. Arlington. Washington. I was trying to think of that. That's word. right. So if you're out in that area, go see Craig. He... he he prays for us and supports us, and we love the brother. So, Tracy, I just wanted to say one more thing to you, if you don't mind. You know, okay. I'm I'm really I'm really glad to see that the Lord is changing your life and restoring your life. And you're right. You know, it does take it takes time. It's day by day, but everything that you do moving towards Him is walking away from that old cool. life. Right? So just remember, every step right. you take towards him counts. And just keep looking forward and keep moving forward. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about any one of us. It's only about your relationship with him. People will impact your life. But at the at the end of the day, it's about your relationship with him and how how strong you keep that relationship between you and the Lord. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I just, I really want to thank uh, Pastor West, if he's listening, uh, at, my other, at my father's vineyard and Morgan and Russell uh, for just bringing the word to us. You know, it's just really helping me, and I love y'all. And I'm really- I love y'all, too, here at GSR. I'm really glad to hear that you're being a vessel, too, and that you are being the hands and feet of Jesus and bringing him to other people. So, you know, that's that's what it's all about. Share the good news. Amen. Amen to that. Man, I feel like I've been to church. <laughs> we got a minister sitting right here. You ain't lying, Rev. You got anything to say before we sign off? Oh, yeah, I knew it was coming. Here we go. This has been a pleasure to be here. I don't know why I was here tonight. I do. But for hope and encouragement. Amen. You know, this was this my third time or so now? Hey, brother, you got open invitation. You just come whenever you want to. Yeah, I know. But you know what? All honestly, with you, Fritz, Mike, and Tina, we have a good connection a godly connection and if anything I can ever do for you guys just let me know you know I always got your back no matter what and that goes for you too Mikey alrighty I may take you up on that even though he's a Pats fan <laughs> yeah you just gotta overlook it <laughs> sin is sin you know <laughs> he needs a God Story Radio t-shirt he does yeah he needs help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I know. Mikey loves his pets. I so, do. So does uh, Mikey. Loves anything that don't eat him first. John Durham. Yeah. Since I was yay high, I've been a Patriots fan. So it was many, many, many years of struggles. Many. But um, Tracy, let me ask you something. When we're in, the, after we leave there, and you guys go back to your dorms, what do you guys talk about after we leave? Good question. Some of the people talk about which bike was their favorite or who they thought was the cutest. Uh, but there are some that actually talk about when the interaction was between whoever they were talking to and just kind of sharing what they had talked about. <clears throat> but a lot of the girls talk about which one is the cutest. They didn't lie. But, well, I uh, wouldn't have to worry about that. Out of it. Yeah, but they do talk about the word, uh, just a lot of the individuals, you know, who they related to the most, uh, you know, and it's just so peaceful. Uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to just really describe it unless you've actually been there. Um, but it's just like a high that we uh, just can't get off of things like um, but it's always something that we look forward to with them coming in Amen so, I'll tell you what man I'm I'm going to saddle up with uh, Gary and uh, and go in I've been no stranger to the prison ministry though I used to go in with a we had a band um, that we used to take in all the time and we'd uh, called One Accord and we would jam for the prisoners and minister to them. I, I love it. Oh, cool. I absolutely love it. And we used to go to, you know, we were up in um, Lake City, so we would go to Rayford and, and those places, and we would always go with our pastor. And what was really funny was we'd travel with two or three pastors, and they'd be unloading, you know, knives and picks and all kinds of <laughs> stuff into the window. You know, it was like, dude. <laughs> anyway, man, there is there is nothing like... Uh, the feeling you get coming out of a, a, a prison ministry session, I tell you, there's well, just no... You know, with me, prison ministry is a big part of my life. Amen. Um, I was just in prison last weekend when I got ordained, but also we were doing the county jail and some other jails. When we come in there, you never know what to expect. It's always the unexpected. And... Um, God just worked wonders that day. We're in this 33rd jail over in Orlando. In one of the units, they have these, they have to keep these prisoners separated. Where there was these two inmates behind this glass wall with the door, and he was standing there trying to listen to what we had to say. So after they got done, I did what I did. I asked the guard, I said, can I go in there? He said, yeah, you can go in there started talking to this young kid who's looking about maybe 30 to 45 years. Mm. Wow. And um, he was Muslim. I told him about the Lord Jesus Christ. As I was talking to him, his bunkie come out. He grabbed the chair. He said, can I sit in here? I said, sure. So here I am in this glass door telling him about the Lord Jesus Christ. He flips out of his chair, gets on his hands and knees and starts yelling, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. He says, how do I receive him? 
I said, well, we'll go over this. His uh, his part, his uh, bunkie says, how do I get Jesus? Wow. So what I'm, you know, when you can see the tears, we're crying. You know, I'm six foot, 280, tattooed all, you know, and we're all sitting there like crying like little kids. But, you know, that's the heart of Jesus opening his up. When the Lord mm-hmm. touches you like that, oh, you yeah. can't help but break. Exactly. Oh, you can't. That's for sure. But, uh, like I said, we never know what we're going to expect with the unexpected. Amen. Expect the unexpected. Mm, there you there go. You go. <laughs> oh wow, man! Yeah. Well, Tracy, we're gonna we're gonna sign off from this thing. We've been in a little over an hour. Uh, stay on the line with us so we can tell you goodbye. But again, we want to thank everybody okay. on Mixler for joining us tonight. Um, uh, we want to thank Andrea and Craig, and they're on till the end with us. And uh, Andrea says that uh, she wants you to make sure uh, you call her. And uh, she uh, left some times sure on the chat there. And uh, listen, if you have a testimony, God's been tugging at your heart, you don't have to come into the studio, although that we would love to have you yes, we would. live and in person. But you can drop us a line at godstoriesradio at gmail.com. Godstoriesradio at gmail.com. Send us the email. Say you would like it. We'll read it. We'd, we'd love it. We want to take your story any way we can get it. In fact, one of the listeners on Mixler tonight just said, I've got to give my testimony. How do I do that? So we signed her up, and she's going to be on the 21st, and we just can't wait. And, uh, you know, kind of I'm really digging, uh, for lack of a better description, this prison theme, you know, because uh, I'm just um, – the testimonies are second to none mm-hmm. you know I me mean, you know uh outside the wire baby i mean that's the title for me mm-hmm. you know uh yeah. so but uh i just uh thank you so much tracy you know we ask a lot of people that are local and they don't say yes uh, we appreciate you stepping up and telling your story uh make sure you give us a like on facebook if you would god stories radio uh i think she did already and then um like us on iHeartRadio. follow us on iHeartRadio, and you'll never miss uh, another session. But uh, God Stories Radio at Gmail, just remember that so you can drop us a line. If you have any questions about this session, you can um, send those questions there, and we'll get them, uh, pass them along to Tracy or Gary or somebody that can answer them for you. If you have any questions, if you're, you know, listening to this, if you're incarcerated right now and you're listening to this, we're here for you. God bless you. Um, reach out to us. Let us know what we can do for you. And uh, we were so fortunate that, that God has given us a vehicle to reach out and to bless you. So, well, that about wraps it up for session 141. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. Shattered like you've never been before. The life you knew. In a thousand pieces on the floor And words fall short in times like these But this world drives you to your knees You think you're never gonna get back To the you they used to be Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes and breathe it in Let the shadows fall away Step into the light of grace Yesterday is a closing door You don't leave
Just let that word wash over you It's alright now Love's healing hands have pulled you through So get back up, take step one Leave the darkness, feel the sun Cause your story's far from over And your journey's just begun Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes and breathe it in Let the shadows fall away Step into the light of grace Yesterday's a closing door You don't live there anymore Say goodbye to where you've been And tell your heart to beat again Yeah! 